0: Back in the fall of last year, began to uh, give some thought and prayer and reading to uh, what to start preaching after the first of the year, and, and I was directed to um, 1 John, chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, to this verses of you and I living as overcomers. So the word overcomer that John uses is the word Nike which is pronounced Nike, you remember, which means the victors, those who carry off the spoil. And so I just thought, you know, it'd be good for us to, as we start a new year, just to be encouraged in the Lord uh, and and spoken on the subjects of overcoming worry and overcoming doubt and overcoming anxiety and those things. And this morning... uh, I'm going to speak on the subject of overcoming stress. Any of you ever get a little stressed out? Anybody? Just me? I was talking to a lady in our congregation this week. It's been a difficult couple weeks for me for some personal things, and I won't go into those things, but just kind of was hit in the face with some frustrating things, some uh, difficult things, some things that made me angry. Just And you just you feel like you don't have any power to change it, and so it's kind of been frustrated with this, and I told this lady, I said, uh, this series of messages have been much too personal for me. I've been living living out the stress and anxiety and worry and doubt too much, And uh, but uh, the Lord knows what he's doing. So I invite you to open your Bible with me to uh, Luke chapter 10, and uh, we're going to look at a familiar story as we consider this subject of overcoming stress. Again, some of you may be a little more stress-laden than others, but uh, invite you to read with me Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38, just five verses, and uh, we'll start here. Now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And Martha, she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Martha, 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 Martha. You are worried and troubled, anxious and stressed about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. Which will not be taken away from her. So I invite you to pray with me. God our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, hallowed be the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your gracious invitation to come boldly unto your throne of grace. Whenever we are weak and heavy laden with the stresses of life, knowing that rest and help and mercy is available with you, we ask that your spirit would speak now to your servants through your word, achieving your purposes for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you are familiar with this story? Somebody, Martha, 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 Martha. Historically, uh, as the first century church was finding its footing, those early Christians viewed Martha as the symbol of the active life. And Mary was viewed as the symbol of the contemplative life. Such a view, unfortunately, led to the conclusion that Martha was put down, kind of looked down upon, as she's presented in the text, and Mary was exalted, leading to the conclusion that an active, busy life is less than the contemplative life. And that conclusion, unfortunately, misses the whole point of what Jesus is trying to teach. Rather, these two are intertwined. The active life is to be intertwined with the contemplative life, both. And as we'll see, both Mary and Martha in the scriptures were women of excellence and noble character. I want you to see four scenes from this text with me this morning. The first scene is presented in verse 38. The scene is that of a loving home. Luke provides the details. Verse 38, now it happened as they went, Jesus entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha meets him, which means Jesus and his disciples are traveling together. They had been maintaining a busy, hectic schedule, and we know from John chapter 11 and 12 that the village... That he entered was Bethany, and the home that Jesus went into was the home of Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. I want you to keep your place here. Just flip over a page earlier in your Bible. Notice Luke provides a verse here, chapter 9, verse 58. I want you to see, start at verse 57. Luke records, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no home, no place, nowhere to lay his head." So while Jesus in his humanity walked this earth, he was homeless. He had no home. Therefore know this, that he must have certainly enjoyed going to this home with friends that loved him and cared him. John chapter 11 verse 5 says that Jesus loved being with this family, Mary, Martha, and the brother Lazarus in their home. These three were devoted followers of Jesus. They had heard Jesus preach. They had believed and surrendered their lives to him and on multiple occasions had demonstrated their devotion to him. And so here Jesus is with his disciples, certainly tired, weary from traveling, and he's able to rest and relax with some close personal friends in their home as they offer him hospitality. Did you know that all of us as Christians are to demonstrate hospitality? Do you know that there are multiple commands, exhortations in the New Testament to all Christians to demonstrate hospitality? Let me share with you a couple First Peter chapter 4 verse 9 commands to be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Romans 12, 13, exhorts, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek ways to show hospitality. And so the question is, what is hospitality? What is, what is good old southern Mississippi hospitality? Well, biblically, hospitality means To open up your life to other Christians and even non-Christians. This is a command. Open up your life to other Christians and even non-Christians for the purpose of connecting with them, forming spiritual relationships, especially by opening up your home. How good do you think we are at doing that? As a church, how good are we, how good are you doing at opening up your home to connect with other Christians for the purpose of spiritual edification? And let me go a little further. The New Testament is even more definite when it lists that one of the qualities for all church leaders is they should be given to hospitality to opening up their lives, to opening up their homes to others, to build them up in the Lord, connecting with people for spiritual edification at a table around meals. Now, in the text, Mar- Martha saw Jesus, maybe it says having traveling with them, Martha saw him, she saw them, and they're tired, weary, and dusty, and thought what a great opportunity to provide hospitality, a restful evening and a wonderful meal. Let me ask you this question. Do you think that it's possible that many of us are not exercising the gift and the practice of hospitality as followers of Jesus because we didn't know the Bible commands it? So I, I, I didn't even know that was a command. I want to encourage you this morning to be intentional, to practice being hospitable as a means for building others up in the Lord. And so the first scene here is Jesus enters a loving home. The second scene is found in verses 39 and 40, and it's the scene of two sisters. Two sisters, both virtuous and noble women, women who love Jesus, and from the context, women who were close to Jesus, who had a relationship with him. It's likely that these two sisters have a conversation based upon a set approach. Mary's job is to hurry off to the market and select some fresh produce and pick out an entree. And while Mary is gone, Martha welcomes Jesus inside, slipping away into the guest room and quickly straightening things. And when Mary returns, once they both get things going in the kitchen, Mary goes then into the main room with Jesus. It's all in the text. I'm not making this up. You just have to think a little bit about what the story is trying to convey. Just think about how this actually worked. Isn't that how it works? When you have guests into your home, you divvy up responsibilities. Mindy and I do. I, we generally try and work together. My part is usually a little more minimalistic than hers. Once guests are in, I'll sit in the family room and kind of entertain and talk, and etc., while she finishes up things in the kitchen. Or if it's in the summertime, I might be out on the deck minding the grill with... The guy or guys outside with me while the woman or the women stay in the kitchen with Minnie. There's a, there's a set approach and the responsibilities are most likely divvied, divvied up. Martha has her role. Mary has her role. And so Martha's in the kitchen and she's thinking, I want to do something special for my Lord. I, I want to prepare a, a really nice meal for him. He's traveling, he's tired and I'm going to set the the table ever so nicely. This is something I really want to do for the Lord. It's, it's a real need. Yeah, it's a lot of work, and it, but it just needs to be done, and it needs to be done with excellence. I want to do my very best, and it needs to be done quickly. I'm sure he's hungry and tired. You get the idea. Martha, maybe Martha is a perfectionist. Mary, perhaps, is not real good in the kitchen. She's a little more social. She just needs to stay out there because every time Mary is in the kitchen, she messes up the salad and vegetables. They're never quite right. They're either too bland or too spicy, and it's better if I just do it myself. So, Mary, you stay in there. And then she's, Martha's in the kitchen and... The kitchen begins to heat up from the wood in the cook stove and Martha begins to wipe beads of sweat. It's all in the text. <laughs> and then she accidentally, while she was working on the vegetables, didn't realize that she had left the bread in the cook stove and it overcooked the bread and she realizes the bread is not going to be perfect and her expectations are not going to be realized. And then her mind starts to work. And that lazy sister of mine, she seems oblivious to everything that I'm doing in here. And not once has little Miss Pris ever come in to even check on me. I'm sure it's never even crossed her mind that I might need some help in the kitchen. Verse 40 says a lot. Martha becomes what? Distracted with much serving, out of focus distracted with much service and work. Martha is hot and sweaty and tired and frustrated with overcooked bread with unable to meet unrealistic expectations and so she gets stressed out. And she can hear Jesus in the other room and he's talking to Mary, he's teaching Mary and Mary is probably, Martha's probably wanting to be at Jesus' feet like Mary but She's got to work. She's got to serve. And she's distracted. The word distracted means pulled away, dragged away by her own expectations, by her duties, by her busy preparation. She wanted to hear more as well, but her own expectations, not not Jesus' expectations, kept her in the other room. Martha convinced herself that true devotion to Jesus must be practical, and duty has to come before desires, and not only does she hear Jesus, she also hears Mary in the other room laughing and having a good time, and it just gets worse and worse. And she peeks around the corner and she sees Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and she's relaxed and she's not wiping any sweat from her face. In fact, she's smiling without a care of the world. She has no clue what I'm doing in this kitchen. (laughs) And Martha starts to seethe and become angry and the stress level begins to rise. And from the kitchen, do you hear it? the pot starts to slam down and then the platter hits the, hits the counter and, and there's noise and noise and it's noise on purpose. Martha wants Mary to hear it. And Mary, maybe, it's all in the text, maybe Mary gets up and she goes into the kitchen and, and says, Martha, are you okay? Is everything all right? And you know what's Martha say? Fine, everything's Fine wiping the sweat Martha are you sure is there anything I can do no no you don't need to do anything I'm fine just go on in the the other room Martha you don't seem fine to me and then there's the look get back in the room And by this time, Martha is so distracted with the work, so distracted with the labor, so stressed out, so focused on herself, so focused on her service and all she's doing, and so focused on Mary and what she's not doing, the joy of serving the Lord Jesus is out the window. You've been there? You can summarize Martha as a virtuous, noble servant, someone who loved the Lord and who wanted to serve the Lord, but she becomes distracted and disgruntled from her self-imposed stress. And the joy and the blessing of serving Jesus becomes a burden and the joy is gone. There's some people in this church that need to hear this. The joy of teaching a class, the joy of sitting in the nursery, the joy of serving as a deacon, the joy of serving the Lord becomes a thing of the past. The joy is gone and all of it becomes a burden. That's Martha. And then there's Mary. It's interesting to me in the text, Mary never says a word sitting at the Lord's feet, soaking it all up. Traditionally, Jesus is doing something that a rabbi would never have done. No rabbi would have sat in a room teaching a woman. But Jesus, the great rabbi, doesn't seem to care much about all of the historical traditions and distinctions between men and women. Instead, he's in that dining room. That dining room had been transformed into a worship sanctuary with a worshiper sitting at his feet, receiving his word. And Martha's posture is distracted, disgruntled, seething, and stressed out. Mary's posture is submissive and relaxed and joyful and expect it. Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep will listen to my voice. My sheep will listen for my voice. My sheep will listen to my voice and they will love hearing my voice. Mary's posture demonstrates that she knows the Lord and she longs, To hear him speak. Do you? Do you listen. To the Lord Jesus Christ. Regularly. Daily. Longing to hear his voice. I have a. Pastoral concern. For those church members. Who have no ear. They have no ear. For his voice no real interest in hearing his voice, no real desire to hear his voice, to hear, or if they do hear, their attention span is like a six-year-old. That's the scene. A loving home, loving sisters. Verse 41 and 2 is the third scene of loving correction. I can imagine Martha blows a gasket smoldering with anger and frustration focused on herself and all that she all that she has to do everything that has to be done as she throws her apron to the side she's angry at Mary for being so selfish and insensitive and she's angry at Jesus for allowing Mary to do it She's a type A Type A female, type A woman. She walks into the dining room and mixing no words. She is blunt and to the point. You always know where you stand with Martha's. (laughs) And she asks, she poses a question to Jesus and then provides instruction to him. Look at the text. Asks him a question and then tells him what to do. Lord, that's telling. Lord, (laughs) do you not care? Do you not care about me? Do you not care about my service? Do you not care about all that's on me? Do you not care about everything that I have to do? And so I want you to tell her to get off her lazy backside and get to work. I mean, paraphrase what she's saying is she's, Pathetic and lazy, and Lord, you're part of the problem because you're allowing it. That's what it says. Martha's priorities were skewed. Jesus was close to Jerusalem, close to the cross, and it's clear some things were more important to him than having a home-cooked meal. But Martha is concerned with what she thinks is best, Martha is concerned with what she wants. Are you ever like Martha? Are we ever like Martha? Jesus needs my work. He can't get along without what I do. This church would be lost without me. Preachers start imagining. What would this church like be like without me, while the congregation begins dreaming of what it would be like without him. (laughs) See, as followers of Jesus, yes, let's serve the Lord with all seriousness, being faithful, because service unto the Lord is certainly necessary. But Martha wanted Mary to serve Jesus like her. Because in Martha's mind, She was doing what was the most important. Well, if only those other church people would serve like me. I can't understand why nobody else is involved in this, why everybody else doesn't involve that. If everybody would just serve like me, we'd probably be in a mess if we all served like us. Martha wanted Mary to serve like her. It's the rationale that if other Christians were as committed like I am, then they would be doing what I'm doing and how I do it. Martha was stressed, seating towards Mary. And look at verse 41. Notice what Jesus says to her and also don't overlook how he says it. He calls her by name, very gently. Martha, Martha. And Mary's pretty wise to stay silent. You know, if, listen, if your sister came in there and started saying that, what would be your first reaction? Be silent, right? No. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled and anxious and stressed out about many things. You're stressed out about your sister Mary, and you're stressed out about the kitchen, and you're stressed out about the bread, and you're stressed out about the meal, and you're stressed out about the schedule, and you're even stressed out about me, you're just all stressed out, Mary, over how you want everything to be, how you think everything should be, and about all of your expectations. And then in verse 42, Jesus provides the correction in a gentle, loving tone, and he says three things. Martha, one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the good part and he promises what Mary has chosen will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen the good part, the necessary thing. And what is that? Well, it's in a spirit of worship, in a spirit of worship and submission to Jesus She is listening to his word. I think it's an epidemic problem in our churches. An epidemic problem in our churches like Martha. We have noble intentions to serve the Lord and oftentimes get busy serving him, making decisions Making decisions without hearing his voice. I was thinking about this text earlier in the week and I was started reflecting back a little bit over some previous years of service. And I can look back in the church and I can think of some times where there were some misses. Misses where I went along with some things or I advocated some things, and looking back, they were misses. And I started thinking about how that happened. And I pray, God, help my attitude and my mind and my thinking processes to be in tune with your voice, to be in tune with your word. I don't want to make decisions just upon logic and reason and what makes sense and logical and as if those things are not against God's word, logic, but they may not be all there is. Preachers can get busy and serving, trying to meet everyone else's expectations, usually because they're too concerned with making people happy, worrying about whether everyone is going to like them and they're popular, and in many cases end up babysitting, doing unnecessary things, and wasting time because they're afraid to say no and to upset someone else and not to meet everyone's expectations. And as a result, they neglect listening to God and neglect the ministry of the Word and neglect prayer and preparation to preach and teach. And listen, this is not just subject to preachers. It can happen to staff members and Sunday school teachers and ministry leaders and all of us as Christians. Neglecting time alone with God in his word in a spirit of worship longing to hear his voice and its epidemic. And let me tell you what it will result in in the church. It will result in people being critical of other people. Because they're listening to their thoughts instead of the Lord's thoughts and it will lead to people being opinionated and judgmental and being defensive and narrow-minded and judgmental and controlling with a loss of graciousness and humility towards others who don't agree like them or who make different decisions then or do things differently than the way they think things should be done and they end up operating without any spiritual power and become stressed and burned out. And notice what Jesus promises regarding Mary. The part that Mary has chosen, this good part, will not be taken from her. You know what that means? It will not return void. In other words, my word will never return void. It will always have full effect in your life, the word of the Lord, and hearing God's word, and allowing the Holy Spirit to saturate your mind with truth, and the mind of Christ will always have full effect in your home, and in your marriage, and in your family, and how you raise your kids, and how you work on the job, and how you manage your money, and how you serve the Lord. Mary invests. And to some degree, Mary is investing in herself spiritually. I want to close with the last scene, which is not in the text, but it's a part of the text, and it's the scene of living hope. Living hope. Martha learns. In her stress, she learns to submit to Jesus and to his instruction. You say, well, where do you get that? How do you know that? Well, it's in the Bible. Shortly after this time, the Gospel of John records that while Jesus is away, some of you know the story. Mary, Martha, their brother, what Lazarus, what? He dies. And while he's getting sick, the sisters send word to him by a messenger and say, Lord Jesus, come quickly. The one whom you love is sick unto death. And it's interesting, when Jesus receives the word, the message, he's talking to his disciples, he tells them about it, and Jesus doesn't go. He delays. Jesus doesn't go back to Bethany to heal Lazarus, to make him better. In fact, he lets him die. And Lazarus dies. And after several days, Jesus finally makes it to Bethany, And when Martha, stressed out Martha, when she hears that Jesus is near, she leaves all the other mourners, those who are grieving. And the Bible says she goes out to meet Jesus before everyone else, still a type A, speaks her mind, very blunt, to the point. And let me read to you what she says to Jesus in John chapter 11, starting at verse 21. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, there it is again, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's your fault. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again, Martha. And she said to him, Lord, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Do you know what is often referred to as the first great confession in the Bible? Do you know the one who is the first to conf- make this confession? Who is it? It's Peter. In Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asks his disciples, what are you hearing people say about me? And there's, They say something like, you're, you're, they're all good things. You're like Jeremiah, the. The, the weeping, compassionate prophets. You're like Elijah. You're like the powerful prophet. You're like John the Baptist. You're a powerful orator, a great preacher, all complimentary things. But Jesus said, but brothers, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks for the group. You are the Christ, son of the living God, my Savior and my Lord. First great confession in Cessiphore of Philippi. Jesus Says flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You didn't figure this out on your own, but my father has revealed this to you, Peter. And upon this confession, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, of hell, shall not prevail against it. Do you know where the second great confession is made in the Bible? John chapter eleven. It's Martha. It says the same thing that Peter says. Do you believe this, Martha? And I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. It's the second great confession. How did that happen? I believe that Martha began to learn from this experience and began choosing the one thing, the most important thing, the needed thing. And she began to listen to Jesus and begin to hear his words and she was able to make such a confession. Do you know a few days before Jesus goes to the cross, he returns again to Bethany and John chapter 12 records it. Jesus is back in their home this one final time before he goes to the cross. And this time Lazarus is there. He resuscitates Lazarus. He's there, and the Bible says Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and they're reclining at the table with Jesus, and Mary, without any warning, gets up and picks up an alice Pastor jar of ointment and begins to pour it out on Jesus' head, and she pours it on his feet, and then she kneels and lets down her hair and it's a very intimate scene when she takes her hair and begins to dry the feet of her Lord. A costly sacrifice. A costly expression of worship. I looked up what the Bible said it was worth, the, the amount of those denarii, and translated today, if you took it into inflation, it about $35,000 alabaster flask of ointment and the story ends well Martha confesses Jesus as the Christ son of the living God who has come the world Mary anoints his body for death and humble worship and both women having been devoted to his words of listening and hearing are strong worshipers let me close Hillcrest beware Beware of the performance-driven Christian life where the externals and all of the activity while being busy is equated with being spiritual. And they're not the same. Time for being still is essential. Listening to God is essential for spiritual service with joy. Much of our stress, much of it could be reduced if we would be still and sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his word. Martha's priorities easily and quickly get out of focus. What have you chosen? What are you choosing? I'm concerned that we are hard Working hard driven ministry mind servants who are not sitting at the feet of Jesus, not hearing His word, not allowing the Holy Spirit to saturate our minds with His word. And we, like Martha, need some correction from the Lord. If such is the case with you today, and you go through that text and you think, I'm more like Martha than Mary. I'd urge you to be open to the Lord's correction in your life and simply to say, Lord, I need to repent of the way I'm living my life as your servant. I need to repent and to change and to turn and for your joy to be my strength that every way I serve you, every act of service will be done in joy, focused on you, hearing your word. I invite you to pray with me.